I only know one way. That's the Padre way. I'm proud as heck to be a San Diego Padre. I played for one team. I played in one town. Smith is ready. Win waiting to pitch. There's a drive. Right center field. Base hit. And there it is. Ho-ho. Doctor. You can hang a star on that, baby. A star for the ages for Tony Gwynn. Number 3,000. And welcome back, everybody, to the 5.5 Podcast. I am your host, Danny Ortiz, alongside Eric LeBou, and we are now officially in the post-bread hand era. Eric, Preller did it, damn it. Yeah, he did it, and uh, we're one of, like, what, two shows to not do an emergency pod? I think just the timing of it all when it happened and, you know, where we were at in our lives on that particular day, <laughs> just it just wasn't available. That, now, you made a good point on Twitter about... Uh, Everybody was doing them, so yeah, I mean, we wanted to wait. <laughs> what are we going to do? Sit there and regurgitate what everyone's saying? I mean, we, I think we all agree it's a great trade. It's an absolutely great trade. Um, and also, I honestly thought there was going to be a trade before today. Like, I thought there'd be another like another domino to fall after yeah. that Brad Hand trade. But I, I, I thought guess so, not. too. Yeah, No snowball effect, at least not yet. But yeah. um, we're not going to harp too much on, on Mejia. I think we all know it's an absolute great trade. I was completely and happily wrong. I will take my... Uh, my crow lettuce wrap sandwich with mayo, please. Yeah. Um, so just a quick touch on me here. Number five prospect uh, per Keith Law SPN. Number 15 per MLB.com. Going into the year, he instantly moves into the number three prospect ahead of Urias yeah. per MLB.com. And, and that's exciting for me because I love Urias. I do I too. love Urias. And I'm like, hey, if you guys have him ahead of Urias, hmm. I, I like that. Yeah. Because I think- it's not. I think that they're like equally... I think that their distance to the majors is about equal at this point. Well, the thing is, Mejia's already been up. So, I mean, well, I, yeah. I think he's major league ready now. Yeah. And I think Urias is too. But Mejia's already been up. Um, plus hit, plus arm. Uh, he's got some, uh, I think it's more of approach things. It's kind of like with Josh Naylor. You know, Naylor was a take-what-you-can-get type of guy. Tapped into the power this year because he's been a little bit more selective. That's, I think, the knock on Mejia that I've been able to read. Number one, is he going to stay behind a catcher? Is he ever going to be anything more than average? But... Um, it's not like he can't hit. If he refines his approach, which hopefully he will, and they sound like they're keeping him at catcher, maybe, which we'll touch on, yeah. um, that he's going to be a, a, a great player. Keith Law uh, in his write-up in both the okay, chat Okay, you and mentioned Law twice now. Well, and you we're know, like two that, and a half minutes in. That's so. what I have to go off of. Talks about him like he's going to be a star. So he seemed floored, like I was floored that we got him. So great trade, but... Well, if Law thinks he's a, if he thinks he's a star, I'm sold. Yeah, Marver and I know, I I know Marver sold. is sold. We're still waiting <laughs> on that manifesto, but that brings me to the next thing is that with Mejia, and I wanted to jump into this because I think it was Sack Bunt Dustin uh, mentioned it, uh, Kevin Charity mentioned it to us as well. Yeah, no, but before we get into that, and sure. I know where you're going with that with Mejia is because you kind of hear about his defense. Are you worried about him sticking a catcher? No. Because it kind of sounds like, I mean, to this point in the trade, or at this point in the rebuild, I like the trade more so because it's like we're focusing on getting single pieces. Like, instead of quantity, you're getting quality. Like, it's more of the one-for-one, or in this case, two-for-one, which, according to you, this trade doesn't come off without Adam Simber. It doesn't. It absolutely (laughs) doesn't. Which, of course, I was trolling, but none. Yeah, but it's Obviously. like with with him, like the bat. I love the bat for Mejia. Like I was stoked when they signed him. That's what you wanted. I don't know oh, if you'd I'm, said it on the show, but when you and I talked about it, it was we need hitters. Like yeah. we have tons of arms. We need bats in the system that are close to major league ready. That's exactly what he is. Yeah, and he is like he's right there. And you know, it's it's a lot of uh, what I like about it is every time you hear the prospect writers or the write ups or the 
you know, the advanced scouting him, there's a lot of aggressiveness in his approach. But then you look at it, he doesn't strike out that much. No, he doesn't. He has excellent hand-eye coordination. So, like, his power right now, he's, um, last year he hit 16 homers, the year before he hit 11. What, what I kind of think when I see, hey, he's kind of a free swinger and he doesn't strike out a lot, that kind of reminds me of Josh Naylor. Like, he could have a shit ton of raw power, but the game, the pitches he's swinging at in the games aren't necessarily like he's not so much like, hey, let me pick a pitch and and hit the shit out of it. It's more like take what you can get. Take like I know I can put this ball in play, so I'm going to swing at it. And I think if he kind of can narrow down that approach to pick uh, one pitch, one spot, and when he gets it, just unload on it. I think even more power can come. Which if he comes from you know behind the plate, that's great. But like his his defense. The kind of why I'm not worried about him behind the plate is like you kind of you remember when uh, Derek Norris came in, um, uh, Grandall when he came in. It's like oh well you know when Grandall comes up, he can hit but he's not that great behind the plate. Like he's kind of a butcher back there because the stats down the minor leagues like there's not much to go off of when it comes to catcher's defense. There's not, and I don't think that baseball prospectus tracks pitch framing down there no, they might and I, correct me if i'm wrong i don't think they do but i don't know if they do yeah I, I don't think they do and like that's why i'm not too concerned about his defense because with grandall oh man he can hit but i don't know if he can stick behind the plate and now you look at him now he's one of the best catchers in the league yeah not only that it's actually talking about it framing wise that that's what made him um the main piece coming back in the kent deal for the dodgers and was that obviously we all knew grandall can hit he had great plate discipline but that you know his pitch framing was actually really, really good and maybe a little bit undervalued. Um, and, you know, if you look at the numbers, I think that might bear that out. For Mejia, for me, and, and I'm on fan graphs right now looking him up. Um, for me, they agree with you. I mean, he has – he's graded as having 55 raw power. That's yeah. above average. I mean, it's not superstar level, but it's above average power. Right now he has 30 game power with potential to be 50. So I think you're right. I think it kind of fits like that Josh Naylor mold of a guy who has great hand-eye coordination, doesn't strike out a lot, makes tons of good contact, but he's not being aggressively selective, which is you're not hacking at everything, but you have a certain zone where you're looking to do some damage. Like, I know if I get into account, I'm looking for this pitch and this pitch only in this general area because that's what I can that's what I can destroy. That's what I can demolish. So that's what I'm hunting. Right. So maybe he gets down in the organization. They help fix Josh Naylor. He's amazing now all of mm-hmm. a sudden. Um, hopefully, and I think they'll keep him down the rest of the year till maybe September tops. If they ever play him. If and they, we'll get into that in a minute. Yeah, which we'll transition to. Um, but I agree with you. I think if they can refine that approach, because that's, that's really his number one knock, is that he's not selective. He's just a hacker. Right. Um, if they can refine that approach and then game power come, if he's, I don't know how he is receiving wise. Like I don't know the pitch framing, but he's got a great arm, which is great, um, and he can hit. Even if he's a mediocre defensive catcher, and I, and I 100% believe framing is a skill, not a not a you know gift, right? It's not like bat speed. Yeah, right? that's something he can work on. It's something you can potentially get better at. I do think that he has like all star potential. Oh yeah, I hell mean, yeah! Like, what would you say? Like, he's drawing Buster Posey comps. I mean, when you look at how they talk about him in terms of like he's got, I think Buster Posey defensively, maybe it's just me. I think he might be underrated because he plays in the same era as Yadier Molina. Right. But I don't know if he's going to be Buster Posey. It's hard to comp a, a guy, a young man of, of that age and of such uh-huh. little experience uh-huh. to Buster Posey, who's pretty much at at this point is a borderline Hall of Famer already. Oh yeah. So. But I do think, based on what they're talking about him, is that if he can come out average, maybe slightly above average defensively, he's a superstar at catcher. It doesn't take a lot. I've been harping for the last couple of years we've been doing this now 
about Hedges. All he has to do is hit 250 with a 300 on base and slug 380, and but he's it's an clear he can't do that. Yeah, and we'll get into that. And but like the thing is with with Mejia, footwork, I feel like can be worked on. Framing, I feel like can be worked on. He's very stubborn that he wants to stay behind the plate. Yeah, which in Cleveland, that's viewed as a bad thing. I think that's a good thing. I don't think it was a bad thing in Cleveland. I think they have, I forget their backup catcher's name. I think it's, uh, but they have Jan Gomes over there, who's their everyday guy. And he's he's on not a, that fucking good. He's, I looked up his numbers. He's not that great. He is good for a catcher. Well, yeah. Um, but I also think, you know, he's locked up long term. There's nowhere else to put him. I know people I've read, you know, being, uh, I mean, this is all over the place on the internet, particularly Cleveland fans about, Iffy on well, you know, is he going to stay back there because he's not, uh, you know, he, he he wasn't athletic enough for the Rangers to play third base or, or left field. I'm like, he's a he's a fucking catcher. Salvador Perez can't go to any other position. He's literally just a catcher. I mean, he came up at that position. He's gotten this far. He gets decent marks um, for catching and you know, for the his fact defense. That, for me, the fact that it's even a possibility for him to be looked at in the outfield or at third base tells me he's athletic enough. To not only be looked at those positions, but to work on his footwork and get him to the point where he is a very solid everyday defensive catcher. Yeah. I'm not worried about his defense. It's the last thing I'm worried I'm about. I'm not either, and I don't think Cleveland moving him, trying him at third or trying him in left was a sign that they didn't believe in him defensively. I think it was a sign that they very much believed him in offensively and tried to find a spot for him. They put yeah. fucking Carlos Santana at third at one point before just settling in at first base because they wanted to keep the bat in the lineup. They just had to find a spot for him. And while upgrading defensively at catcher. So I think that's more of a sign of how badly they wanted him in the lineup. It just didn't fit with their roster. It certainly fits here. It's kind of like how we are handling Naylor in left field. Yeah. In our, you know, like the bat is so good, you have to find a spot for it. Yeah. Like you're going to force the team to play you somewhere. Absolutely. And I mean, yeah. right now, and I'm going to pull up the MLB.com just because I like to have a couple of, you know, a couple of sources for comparison's sake. But right now, per, you know, uh, fan graphs, He's rated currently a 40 on the 2080 scale defensively and future 45 fielding, so defensively. So it's not like... So it's like league average, right? Yeah, he's never going to be a so star. Yeah, he's never going to be you know a great defensive catcher, doesn't sound like. But both MLB and Fangraphs have... Well, MLB is a little bit higher on him. They're at 45 for his current grade. So mm-hmm. he sounds like he's going to be at least an average defensive catcher. So you mix that in with a plus arm, a 70 arm. Yeah, plus 80 eight, arm, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 70 to 80. Well, I mean, I, I'm just looking up the current stuff. I don't know how you know how soon it's been upgraded. But even then, 70 is plus. I mean, that's a plus, plus arm. That's a top-level arm. behind the plate is nice. Yes, very nice. Plus a plus hit tool and some raw power. You have the makes of an all-star catcher. Now, here's the problem we're starting to run into because, as I was transitioning early, both Sackbun Dustin, I believe, mentioned it on Twitter. Kevin Charity's mentioned it to us. He hasn't played, and there's... Some grumblings, maybe, that he might be packaged and sent sent to packing. I will be livid, dude. If they trade him, I will be livid. What like, if they get Michael Fulmer for him? I don't. I don't. I, we don't need Fulmer. <laughs> we don't need. We need Mejia far more than me need Michael Fulmer. I agree. If they package Mejia for a young control arm, and that's what we've seen. I will be down at Petco every chance I get, shirt off, oh, just God. to torture everybody. <laughs> they might they might cancel the trade. The commissioner might veto the trade after he hears this. I am going to show them. I'm going to show them. Dude, no way. You're going to show them, way. all right. No way. Now, before we get into the trade talk about um, you know the Padres, this might sound, and I'm going to preface it this way, it might sound a little racist. Oh, God. <laughs> but with Let's Mejia, hear it, hater. With Mejia being Cuban. Oh, wait. He's Dominican. Really? With, I thought Uncle Teddy... Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> with with him being Dominican, Latin, uh, Latin catcher. Harold Reynolds say he was Mexican? 
well, he's going to bring a lot of Mexicans across the border. Strictly because he speaks Spanish. Because he speaks Spanish. <laughs> I kind is it ba- is it wrong of me to think that like him working with the Latin pitchers coming up, like the Baezes and the Morahones? Oh, it that's a good thing, right? No, that's not racist at all. I mean, really, that's actually a good way to look at it because you know there's a it's. It's kind of like, you know, he can speak, I don't know if he speaks English, to be honest with you, but he can definitely speak Spanish, obviously. They yeah. have a pitching coach to speak English. Right. Balsley is, you know, white as rain. So, <laughs> yeah. I I don't think that's a bad idea to think about. They have all these young Latin guys, Morajon, Baez, you know, and all these other guys coming up, uh, Patino, yeah. uh, Munoz, you know, all these studs that you know, look like they're going to come up in the next couple of years. It's not a bad idea to have the main guy that's going to be the battery mate be a Spanish speaker. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if he's catching 120 games a year, I mean, that's I that's kind of the way I was looking at it, and I, I, I was kind of hesitant to say it because I'm like, oh, that's going to sound shitty. It's not bad. It's like hiring a... Um, I'm trying to think. I think it was Pog Lankford who got on the uh, the Manny Acta train about yeah. letting Manny... I, I would love, and I think we didn't mention it because Green was already hired, but I mentioned back when uh, Bud Black was canned right. and Pat Murphy was sent packing that, man, I would love to see Manny Acta get a shot because he's a much more... You know, open thinker about you know analytics and you know constructing lineups uh, optimally, and you know just uh, gets a lot of high marks for that. He just had shitty teams that ruined his one his one loss record. Yeah, and unfortunately we, for you, instead of brown, they went green. <laughs> 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 but that's not a. It's, it's kind of the same thing, right? Hey, we're gonna have a lot of Latin players. We need somebody who is you know bilingual. Didn't they bring Hosmer in? That was one of the reasons <laughs> that they uh, they talked. That was Hosmer Ted up. Leitner that said that. I dude. don't care. It still was put out there. But I mean. Yeah. It makes sense. So I don't think that's such a bad idea. Now, going back to the idea of trading him, depending on what they get, right? Depending on what they get, objectively speaking, you know, we'll see. Honestly, I personally hate it for the sheer reason that he is an upgrade right now over Hedges. I 100% believe if you put him in there, you'll lose something on defense, but you'll gain something on offense. Right. And I would hate to lose that because we do need position players. We need position players that are close. If we're going to try to turn this around to 2020, because right now it looks like 2021 right. uh, after the Lord and Savior has been uh, crucified via thumb injury. Mm-hmm. So I would hate it strictly because he's a high upside, offensive minded player at a premium up the middle position. My favorite, second base, shortstop, catcher, and center. And they'd be moving that to get something else. So unless it's like just a superstar player, you know, I, I don't see the need. So I'm hoping that that's just rumblings and grumblings and that he actually does get to play tomorrow and then we see him in September. Yeah, because it's like... Unless they get another prospect package back where they just get... Like if they get uh, Miguel Andujar from from the Yankees. That was something, well, maybe they wanted... Because they wanted him from Brad Hand. Yeah. The Yankees flatly said no. Yeah. So maybe they package him and the Yankees get somebody... Well, like him, Ross, and Yates? Well, no. I, like somebody mentioned, like maybe it's a three-way trade where the Yankees get so-and-so, the Yankees send so-and-so... Like, the Yankees get... I'm just going to throw this out there. There's no basis. Just using it as an example. The Rays get Andujar for Chris Archer. Get Andujar and name random, you know, mid-level prospect here for Archer. Uh-huh. Right? The uh, the Yankees get uh, Archer. Uh, Andujar and prospect go to the Rays. The Padres get uh, uh, Andujar and the Rays get Mejia. Like, okay. I'd be okay with that. Because yeah, but wouldn't that have happened on that day? Maybe, maybe not. Who knows? We so this is like a delayed three-team trade, perhaps, or maybe they don't know. Maybe what the Yankees wanted, the Padres didn't have. So I mean, they don't want Mejia, but who knows? And who cares? I mean, if it's something like that where you're swapping prospects, you're getting creative to fill another position of need at a, you know for an impact player, which I think Andujar could be. 
great, absolutely. But if you're just going to ship him off for controllable pitching, we already have a ton of that in the system that we need to see how it's going to work itself out. And he's at a position where it's a clear upgrade over what you have. Maybe it's just because me personally, and like even before the Mejia trade, dude, I've been growing very tired of Austin Hedges. Mm -hmm. Very, very tired of Austin Hedges. And if they ship him off, that's just saying, hey, hey, Austin, here's another life, you handsome devil. And I hate that, dude. I absolutely hate that. Like, Mejia is everything that Hedges is not. Like, he's the complete opposite almost, of Hedges. Almost he's the anti-Hedges. Hedges has great defense and he can't hit. And he's handsome. And Mejia, he has a great stick, but he can't really play defense. He's the opposite. But he can, though. See, that's the thing. Is like He's not the I know, I just, opposite. I know, but yeah. like the way he's viewed right now. Yo, yeah, he's I, clearly I offensive-minded. Like, I fully feel like he's going to come up, and he's going to figure it out defensively. Yeah, he's, he's clearly... And I'm basing that off of nothing. No, I mean, he's <laughs> clearly more... He's clearly better offensively. His value comes with his bat more so than his glove, and because of where he plays, right? Like His bat's going to play up at catcher more than it would in left field or third base, right? Whereas Hedges' glove, his sole value since he was drafted was he's going to be a major league catcher. The question is, is he going to be Jeff Mathis, Brad Osmus, or Yadier Molina? Like right. those were his outcomes. Yadier Molina is a borderline Hall of Famer who plays every day and brings exceptional value to his team. Brad Osmus is a solid everyday catcher who had a good career, but never anything great. And Jeff Mathis is an awesome defensive catcher who will stick around because he's a great backup to have on your roster. No, he's a fringe major leaguer. No, well, no, he's not even fringe. He's definitely a major leaguer. He's just he's just a backup catcher, right? Like he's he's your twenty. He's he's the guy. Hey, we're gonna go give Mathis a one year, two million dollar deal because yeah. he's excellent defensively and he brings value that way. Yeah. So those are his ranges of outcomes. Whereas Mejia's like it could be Mejia could be Grandal. He could be. I mean, he could be. He's a switch hitter. Grandal has better plate discipline and maybe more pop. But you know, he could legitimately be you know our second chance at making amends and keeping a Yasmani Grandal type. I really feel like, like what I said about Mejia and the Naylor comparison there, I really feel like that's a thing. Like, I'm just looking at his numbers, dude, you could tell. Like, someone that puts the ball in play that often, and, I mean, what would you say his, future, or his uh, current power is at, what, 55 in uh, the game? Uh, his game power right now is, uh, per fan graphs, is rated 30, potential 50. Potential 50. Beep raw okay. power, which is basically batting practice okay. power. Is uh, 55. Yeah, so I feel like, again, if, if he's more selective and in his approach and what he's going to swing at, I feel like the power's going to come. And the power's fine right now. Like, from behind the plate, it's perfectly fine. Like, think about it. If he comes up, and especially if he does ever play in El Paso, yeah, the power's going to come there. But that it kind of leads us to, like, whether he's packaged um, as part of the trade value or someone else is packaged do the Padres, because there's been a lot of grumblings, hey, should the Padres go after uh, Sonny Gray? Should the Padres go after Noah Syndergaard? A lot of people are asking if the Padres should trade from a position of strength, being prospects, for a position that they kind of lack in, which is a front-of-the-line, controllable, everyday starter. What do you think about that? Not for those two guys, no. But just in general. whether in it's We'll throw in Chris Archer, um, name controllable starter here. Ian no. Snell, no. whoever. Not right now, no. Because you don't know what you have yet. This was, and I, I, I feel like I've been saying this every week for a month, um, but this is the problem you ran into with Naylor, is that Naylor's breaking out this year. Like, he finally always had the raw ability, always had raw power. It was, he needs to be more selective at the plate, selectively aggressive. He needs to go hunting for fastballs that he can destroy instead of just taking what he can get because he's not that, he shouldn't be that kind of hitter. He, cha- he finally made the adjustment, now he's killing it. Problem is, you don't have a spot for him anymore because you went out and got Eric Hosmer at a position that wasn't a position of need. You already had Myers, who you moved off position for a guy who wasn't necessarily, and certainly this year isn't an upgrade. 
and now you have this breakout prospect where you have nowhere to put him, you're probably going to have to trade him, which kind of sucks because that's six years of basically cheap labor to pay Hosmer five or six years of value that he may never reach because you know who knows how much he has left in the tank. Right. So I wouldn't go out and make a move and kill your farms. Well, not kill, but you know, remove depth and deplete assets in your farm system now when you don't know what you have yet. I know people are down on him. Cal Quantrill, this is his second full season. He since, sucks. He sucks right now. But you still don't know what you got out of him. You don't know what you're going to get out of Lucchese, Lauer, uh, Baez, Morahone. I mean, I could keep fucking going. Gore. These are all guys yeah, but who, before you mention Morahone and Gore, no, nobody that you just mentioned is a top of the yeah, rotation. But neither arm. is Allen or Nix. But you don't know what you're going to have with any of those guys. You know... Nobody looked at Logan Allen when we got him and said top of the rotation starter. Nobody looked at Nix and said that either. I think Nix has had some health issues. But really, those two guys have leapfrogged pretty much Quantrill, Lauer, and Lucchese, which was like the three gems of that class, right? Right. Those are the three arms that are going to be major league ready very soon. Quantrill will probably be at least a quality major league starter. He's probably going to be at best, I think, it's four. Yeah, he's an average major league player, an average major league starter. That's not an insult. Average guys are hard to find. Clayton... Richard isn't average. He sucks. But he finds major league gigs because it's hard to find innings. So you need to figure out what you have first before I think you deplete assets. Because if they do what they did in 2015 where they – instead of – like how good would – how nice would it be to have Zach Eflin right now? Yeah. Like he's not great. He's having a good year this year. But really he's probably, you know, number four starter. He's probably a, a league average, maybe slightly better starting pitcher. How great would it be have would it be to have him right now eating up innings – Instead of fucking Clayton Richard. Right. Or even Luis Perdomo. Yeah. You know, so I think they need to figure out what they have first for another year or two and then say, okay, here's where we're at. So we have these, we have these, these valuable, you know, assets here in the minors that, you know, we can move because we know we have this core. So let's go ahead and make a move now. Right. Doing it, you know, and this is two, three years down the line. Doing it right now to me would be jumping the gun. It'd be, it'd be moving too fast because you don't know what you have yet. It, it's like the signing a Hosmer. You don't know what you have in the system yet. You don't need to go out and add to a team that realistically isn't going to win for another couple of years. You still need time to develop everybody else. Yeah, exactly. Like, give it, let it marinate for a year or two. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause we have you, tons of fucking pitching. It doesn't hurt. If you, it, I didn't even mention fucking Strom, who I think should start. I mean, he's like a sub-3 ERA. He's doing the opener stuff. Give him four or five innings every fifth day and see what he does. Yeah. So, I mean, like, they need to see what they... Another year of development says a lot. Like, if a year goes by, maybe even two years, and you're nearing that 2021 window, and it's like, hey, like, we're just a strong starter away from really making a run, great. Trade. Go out and get him. Use use your position of strength as, uh, from your prospects to get an arm. But for right now, it's so premature. Because you have no idea. You have no idea when you look at it who's going to develop. Like, we can name the arms right now. So, uh, Patino, uh, Gore, Morahone, Nix, Allen. Nix, Allen, Paddock. Quantrill. All those weathers to yeah. a smaller, you know, I mean, extent. I didn't even There's mention all Paddock. those arms. So yeah. let's let's see what we have here because you see like these midseason things from Baseball America saying that Morahone um, has gained ground to where he's at potential ace level along there with that's, Mackenzie Gore. That's Baseball America, Fangraphs, and ESPN. We all could already have there. those young controllable starters in our system. And exactly. We're going to sit there and trade other guys for for yeah, they're already established guys. Like Syndergaard is great. I mean, I have nothing against him as a player, but he's here for three years and you're not winning in that time frame. Yeah. Yeah, maybe exactly. the last year. Yeah, I mean, like, you're going to compete maybe the last year that he's here. I mean, it's it, it doesn't make any sense to trade those guys away because, and just for me personally, like, trading a position player for a guy that throws every fifth day, like, 
that's always a tough pill for me to swallow. I that's would, also why I like the Mejia trade so much. Yeah, and I would do it because, and I think you make a fair point. If you're getting a one or a two, I would absolutely do it because the, here's how I look at it. And, and some people, when they try to like, oh, how can a pitcher be an MVP? Here's how I do it. The 600 plate appearances you're going to get from an everyday player, you know, based on what he's going to contribute defensively, you know, defensively, obviously, but offense is the highest of value you can provide, right? Offense is where the money is at. Is that 600 plate appearances you're going to give up for a young, controllable position player? Is that of equal or lesser value than what you're going to get back for the 600 plate appearances that that pitcher is going to throw against? Because yeah. that's his job, right? That's It's a different way to look at it, but I think it's a valuable way to look at how good are the 600 plate appearances going to be that you're going to run that pitcher out there for, assuming he hits the 180, 200 limit, uh, inning mark, as compared to what you're going to get on offense with a batter in that same you know plate appearance bracket. So unless you think it's going to be of equal value, which to me would have to be a number one, number two type guy, I'm not dealing him. You mentioned you know Paddock. Think of it this way. Here's what they got in Double A right now: Quantrill, Allen, Nix, Paddock. There are four guys in Double A. Those guys are probably getting major league innings next year. Right. I 100% agree with Marver that if you brought Paddock up right now, he could at least give you replacement level value as a starting pitcher yeah. right now. I think he could I do agree that. With that too. Yeah, and these guys are going to get innings next year. And guess who's probably going to be in Double A next year, assuming health? Bias, who will probably get innings in 2020. Gore might be in Double A next year and look to arrive in 2020. So you have six guys, all of which look like they're, you know assuming health and, and development, at some point are going to crack the Major League roster in the next two years. There's no reason to deal from your Tri-City and AZL depth and you know short-season ball depth to get something that you don't know if you have or may have abundance of in the system right now. I think you wait till 2020 to make that splash. They're not the Cubs. The Cubs got Lester because they were right there, and you could see it with the talent coming up. Well, th- that's another thing the Padres could do. Like, if that time comes, and let's face it, this offseason, you know, if they say, hey, fuck you, 5.5, and they don't sign Machado, you know, they're gonna, they're still going to have a lot of money. Because, let's face it, they're probably not going to spend money. So, you know, granted, we don't have that 2020 list of uh, arms that are free agents. Up, well, I could find Up and available. Yeah, but it's not worth it. But at that time, there could be a free agent that you pick off the market there. You know what I mean? Like, there's always other avenues. And for, for to, do, do, to do it right now, like... I'm I'm a premature guy. My wife will tell you that. <laughs> but to trade, well, I was born premature, among other things. But to trade right now for a top of the rotation starter, I think is extremely premature. I'm not saying that I've, I'm completely like not on board with it. Just not right now. Not right now because of what we said earlier with the arms. So we're just not there yet. No, I mean it's it's just the reality of the situation. Is I that, know we uh, badly want to be there, but we're just not. No, we're know? not. You know, we're not there yet. Sorry, my. I tried to look up the free agent market, and my phone goes into that stupid Amazon scam. Um, no, we're just not there yet. You know, like I, I'm using the Cubs as an example, and uh, because I, I feel like that is a prime example of the Cubs knew they were within a year. They were having Bryant come up. You know, Javi Baez was going to be, if not already up. They had Solaire. They had Addison Russell. Uh, you know, they they had guys already on the team. They went out. I think they signed Hayward after uh, last year, but nonetheless. They had a core. Rizzo was already up. They had Starlin Castro. They had a core of young guys that thought, hey, on paper with these young guys, you know, we might we might be 500 or better this year. Mm-hmm. Let's go out and get Lester because yeah. we feel like he can anchor that down. And by his second year of the contract, we'll be good. It turns out they were really good that year, made the NLCS, and obviously won the World Series the following year. But I think the Padres need to get to that point where they have an idea of here's our core. 
Here's where we can project these young guys who will be coming up and then make a move. Exactly. Verlander will be a free agent by that point. I don't think he'll be worth it, but that's just an example of then you make the move. I think going into next year's offseason is when they should look to make a move, not this year. Yeah. Too much in AA this year. Um, Let's transition into Hedges. Uh, Speaking of trades, and then we'll transition into some other trade deadline talk here. But uh, with Mejia coming, we obviously don't want to trade uh, him. I think we've made that abundantly clear. Very clear. I think Padres Twitter has made that clear. We, We are in love with Mejia already. Already. So at this point, how much borrowed time is Hedges on? I mean, I think that that trade is a clear sign that he needs to get his shit together. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder... Does it matter, though? What do you mean, does it matter? So, let's say... Because right now... And I mentioned this when we went to Beer Fest. He's a backup, dude. Yeah. But I, I mentioned this when we went to Beer Fest, right? And uh, I'll, I'll drop the uh, ESPN chat here uh, with Keith Law saying, Hedges has improved to a 283 on base. That's an improvement. Ooh. He, uh. um, we're, we got the game on live right now, but after his last intentional walk, uh, because Lucchese was on deck who proceeded to strike out trying to bunt, long live the DH. Right. Uh, Hedges was slugging 224, 283, 50, uh, 358. That's good for 26% below league average per fan graphs. That's an improvement over last year. And he's actually been on fire, too. Yeah. So remember, he had a hot streak to get him to these numbers. Yeah, and at the end of the year, assuming he plays every day, he's probably going to eclipse the 1,000 you know, plate appearance mark, which used to be the number for Nick Hundley. Remember, got to give him 1,000 plate yeah. appearances. Yeah. That's what Ted Simmons says, who's an underrated... Hall of Fame caliber catcher. Got to give him a thousand and see what he can do with it, which is basically two full seasons for a catcher. My question is at this point, regardless of what he does, let's say he gets to my baseline frame, 250, 300, 400, because I think it's realistic that he could get hot and run into that. That he can go through a good a good peak. Does it really fucking matter at this point what he does? I, I feel like if if nothing else, he's basically his his range of outcomes for the Padres, assuming they keep Mejia is he does what he's always going to do, or he flashes offensive brilliance, is fucking amazing at defense, and then ends up the backup, or he gets really hot right now in the next week or so, or teams catch onto it and feel like we can maybe do a buy low and then flip the Padres something, flip the Padres another project, because that's what he is. He's a project at this point. Right. Or maybe flip him in the offseason because he gets hot and the team's willing to take a chance on him, because he's still young, he's still controllable, there is some upside, and you have nothing to lose if you flip something similar. So I feel like it doesn't really matter. What do, what do you think? Do you think it matters what he does at this point other than maybe boost potential trade value? Yeah, I mean, that that's all he can do at this point is, is boost his potential trade value and what we would get back for him. And no one's going to trade for him at the deadline. But I mean, the, they might. You're just no, not going to get anything no, for him. Dude, no one. No yeah. one. Like, who's, who thinks themselves, hmm, uh, you know what? We Death. are so close to contending. What do we need? Checks their list. Um, Alex uh, Avila got that gets on base at 280. No, they Let, don't. Let's put it this way. Last year, Alex Avila was packaged with, uh, who the hell was he packaged with? Some reliever last year. Uh, Justin Wilson, I think, from the Tigers. And that got, like, Eloy Jimenez, I think, is who they who they flipped. But, I mean, I could see him being packaged with, like... Eloy Jimenez? Wasn't he? No. He, who'd they trade for him? I don't know. Candelario. Okay, yeah. yeah I think it was, it was one of those two Cubs prospects. But Candelario, right? So, maybe they go... And Alex Avila is basically a backup catcher. He's not a starter. But maybe they go, hey, we'll give you Tyson Ross and Austin Hedges for, like, a decent... You know, future value forty or 50, 40 future value prospect who's like twenty. I mean, I guess I would kind of rather just keep. I don't mind keeping Hedges, but as a backup. Yeah, absolutely, because he's cheaper than AJ Ellis, and I actually like watching him catch. Yeah, that sounds funny, but I enjoy watching catch, Hedges actually catch. So, but I feel like it doesn't really matter what he does at this point. I feel yeah. like he could go fucking bonkers, <laughs> and it would not matter that he oh, is yeah. legit on borrowed time, and it's just he is beyond saving his starting gig. It's it's like Galvis. It's actually you know what it's like. 
It's like uh, Jimmy Rollins the year that uh, uh, J.P. Crawford. No, 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 no. Even worse, uh, Corey Seager. Oh. It's, it's like oh, Rollins okay. when the Dodgers got him. He knew, and he even admitted, he's like, I know I'm on borrowed time. Like, I know that this this job is this kid's future. Right. And I'm just here to, to place hold. Yeah. I exactly. feel like it's like that for Hedges, except he's like 25. <laughs> I've always, yeah. I, I kind of wondered, ever since this trade went down, I, I've kind of wondered how Hedges is going to be. Like, is he is he going to be like in football terms? The Brett Favre, there's kind of an asshole to Aaron Rodgers because he knows that his future is being threatened. Or it's not Jack, Aaron Rodgers' fault. Well, I know that. But is, is Hedges going to be kind of like the, hey, meet? Like, is he going to be like Jack Parkman? I, I you know, don't. Like, going to say, like, is he going to be the asshole? Or is he going to be, like, welcoming, like, try to make him I mean, he can't really be, better. though, right? Like, how much pull does he really have? Yeah, I know. I mean, it's not like when Derek Norris... Like, Derek Norris was a... Le- I mean, we didn't give up a lot to get him. But Derek Norris was, like, a legitimate platoon player. But he made an all-star team. Like, he was an established everyday catcher. He looked like he might be equal to or better value than Grandal production-wise when we got him. Right. So it's not like Hedges is established. Hedges is still in development mode. Like he hasn't had that breakout year where, hey, I hit 260 last year at a 320 on base, and I slugged 430. Like, and I had elite defense. Like I'm an above average major league guy. This is my yard. This is my job. Home plate is mine. He's not that. No. He's you know. We don't have anybody that's better. They traded the guy that should have been here while I was developing, and maybe they should have packaged me instead. And you know, I'm still trying to show that like I'm their everyday guy in the future. The quote from him about the uh, Mejia trade. All I he didn't said hear was, it. Well, no, all he said was that it was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, uh, "Oh, what are your thoughts on trade? Oh, it's interesting." So, yeah, like he knows, dude. He, he, he has to know. I, I would imagine because we've had it on good authority that you know this team is not shy about telling like, you need to work on this or you're done. Right. With Hunter Renfro, I'd have to imagine because he's not Preller's guy. Like I refuse to believe Preller didn't scout Mejia at any point in time <laughs> when he yeah. was 16. How old is Mejia right now? Uh, what is he? 21. 21. Okay, so Preller was still Something with like Preller was still with Texas. You know, riding on planes with a bad back, laying in a hammock. Right. Um. I refuse to believe. He's 22. There you go. So I refuse to believe that Preller didn't have some, you know, some scouting report saved in the cloud about Mejia, and then compared to what he saw now and thought, I fucking knew it. I want this guy now. I that want what be, I wanted. You know, I swear to God, that could actually very, that could very much be. I have no doubt that it was, that's. I have no doubt that that's why he got Tatis because he had some scouting report saved about. Hey, I had this kid. I liked him a lot when I saw him. That was that's that's what his calling card was was. Excellent international scout, absolutely stellar uh, evaluator of talent. I have no doubts that for Mejia, for uh, Ruiz, uh, Tatis, like all these young Latin guys that he gets, um, Olivares, that he already had scouting reports saved, um, assuming that he got to see him when he was the Texas organization, yeah. or even with the Padres, that he had already had reports saved and knew, I know exactly who this player is, I know what I'm getting, and that's why I'm going to target him. I love that. I do too. I, I that. think that's I think that's how you should do it. I think that's how you win. Apparently, that's what had the Dodgers win the Machado sweepstakes was that they did their homework on all these prospects, and that's why Baltimore, as crappy as it was, felt like that was the best package yeah. because that's something the Dodgers do. They probably have a big old database of scouting reports that they can you know target players that think this guy might be able to provide us future value. So absolutely, I think uh, we agree. Hedges is on borrowed time. Doesn't really matter what he does outside of maybe giving himself a starter job elsewhere. Because maybe they can trade him. Yep. Um, let's move into. We talked about Tatis and uh, his broken the was destroyed uh, thumb. He's officially out six to eight weeks with a broken thumb. I'm still it waiting. Is broken. On, yep. I'm it's still official. waiting on. Uh, and this is a shout out to you, H. J. Preller of Intelligence, to run the injury through the uh, injury generator. 5,000, I think, is the model they're on. Yeah. Uh, to see what the real injury is. They actually ordered an MRI, so apparently they did the copay. 
and got the MRI. So uh, broken thumb, six to eight weeks, likely to be ready for the Arizona Fall League. You and I agreed off air here. We are tempering expectations of him arriving next year at this point. Yeah, no, I think as soon as he went down with that, done. Like, there's no chance of him coming up in 2019. And not, I think you would agree with me, for financial reasons. I think it plays out advantageously. It, it works for, Super- for the Padres. It works, but I don't think they I don't think they do that. Because they wanted that, Margot would have still been down last year. Well, yeah. So, I think it's more of, and I mentioned this on Twitter about, like, we should probably temper expectations because... When you have a hand, any hand, wrist, finger injury, Woods mentioned it. I've mentioned it. I used a jam thumb as a as a primer for this uh, example. Is that anytime you injure phalanges or injure your wrist, you sap your power. You go jam your thumb and then give it like a couple of weeks and go try to swing the bat. <laughs> it fucking sucks. I'm sure right? people are getting right on. Well, that. I'm just saying as an example. <laughs> just imagine. Just imagine a time you jammed your thumb and you tried to do just normal opening the door. Opening your car door, driving, like it sucks, right? Like you. So have- when I was in little league, I um, this kid ran into me and broke my growth plate in my wrist, Oof. in my left hand. Didn't slow down the masturbation habits. I'm glad you overcame. <laughs> my very first game back from that, I hit a home run. Great. So you're your, also your hitting. Your theory can suck. You were also hitting with an aluminum bat, and you were six foot two, <laughs> two hundred and forty pounds in senior league. Okay. So let's just throw that out there. Yeah. Number one. Yeah. Number two. I'm just like he's going to go up hitting ninety to ninety five on average now, right? Right. Like, right. It is. It's. It has been shown, you know, studies wise, health wise, that when you break fingers and wrists and hands, it does sap power because it saps grip strength. It's going to take time for that to come back. I would not be surprised that a if they start him in Double A again next year because he's basically going to miss the second half of development time. He's 19, so it's not like he's old for the league, right? And even though he's tearing it up, maybe he's ready for Triple A. Maybe they start him there. But I do think they're going to take their time to make sure that the grip strength and the power does come back. And I am tempering my expectations for. How well is he actually going to hit next year? Um, not from an average standpoint, but just like for authority's sake. How hard is he going to be hitting the ball? Because how much is his grip strength going to be back? Because it could take a year for that to actually come back. Not yeah. for him to be healthy, but... I'm not too worried about that. Logan Morrison had broke his, I think, hand one year or wrist one year coming up for the Marlins. And one year, he didn't hit for any power. And the next year, like, oh, he's breaking out. It's like, well, no. He just got far, far enough away from the injury where he regained all the strength. Because even if he's healthy... He's not going to be using the thumb for six to eight weeks. There is a such thing as muscle atrophy, so he does have to build back up to get to that point. So it'll be interesting. It does suck. I'm not a doctor. I did not stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night, <laughs> so I'm not going to sit here and act like I know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. Power. I'm but, just tempering. I mean, so trying to figure out where he plays at next year. So last year he played 131 games between Fort Wayne and San Antonio. Uh, skip single, uh, skip high A. Thank you very much. Sons of bitches. Double uh, A this year. He played an 88 game. So when it's all said and done, he slashed 286, 355, 507. So God, is 88 games of Double A as a 19 year old is that enough to say hey you know if you have a strong strong spring if you play well in the dominican winter league wherever the hell he goes do you think that's enough for him to start at triple a yeah i honestly think and we had talked to uh john conniff about this a lot i honestly think if san antonio wasn't in a playoff run this year they'd have booted him to triple a i think they value that obviously at least at the higher levels but i think if san antonio was like a 500 team or they just sucked the second half of the season and weren't making the playoffs I really do think he probably would have been at AAA because at this point he's been around the league. He had the rough month, the rough, the really bad first month to start. He made the adjustments. He's been raking since. I mean, the slash line's impressive. If you look at it, if you cut it off from when he actually started hitting from May on, it's even more impressive. I mean, just dominating the league, right? Yeah. So I really do think if there wasn't a playoff run there and they seem to put some kind of value on that, 
um, that he probably would have been moved up to AAA. So I can see him starting in AAA next year. Wouldn't be surprised if they let him repeat AA. But at this point, he's already kind of torn in a new asshole. Maybe AAA is the way to go. And let him play down there for three or four months and see where he's at in July or August. So what I want them to do, I want them to start him next year. I don't really care how he does in the winter in winter ball. I don't care how he does in spring. No, at as long point, as he's healthy. Because of the injury, what I want them to do is start him at AA next year. Regardless, regardless of how he performs in those two places, because I want to see if he can open up hot in a level that he's already played at. So each level that he's played at, he's struggled the first part. So I want to see if he opens up uh, strong in double A, and if not, it's fine. And you know, you contribute that to poor, you know, his power being sapped or whatever you want or to say. Or just time off. Yeah, or time off, whatever you want to say. But what what I want them to do, I want them to start him at double A. I want him to, or I want them to wait until he hits a hot streak and then pull him up to Triple A. Because his numbers, when he gets up to Triple A, we can all agree in El Paso, or they're going to inflate. Yeah, they're they're going to be impressive. And I just like, can a team tell you? Can a team tell a player not to slide head first? Like, can they like find them for sliding head first? Because he had, to my knowledge, he had one of those things on, one of those like braces or whatever uh-huh. you call it. And he still broke his thumb. Yeah, I mean, I hate head first slides. Dude. I think you can make it mandatory that unless you're diving back to a bag, yeah, I think you can have like a team, you know, a team, uh, and then just find him in kangaroo court. Yeah, basically. I mean, yeah. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a bad idea, right? Because. Diving head first, I think, is inherently more dangerous just because of the you, you could get your hand stepped on. You know, your hand has it's kind of like your foot, except there's no shoe on it. But you know, with your hand, there's all kinds of small bones that can get you know shattered, broken, uh, cut, lacerated. You know, all kinds of stuff that can happen in in your hand where you're fucked basically. Whereas feet first slides, I feel like typically are much more safer. Uh, you're not going to jam your your toe sliding right. into the bag. So I would not. Be surprised if, if for him specifically say, hey, no more head first slides. Absolutely not. You're going to slide feet first unless you're diving back into a bag. Yeah. You know, where, you know, typically that's easier to go through. I know Ricky Henderson had been, had been, uh, rumored to say, uh, you know, he went fa- uh, head first because he felt like it was going to save his legs. Like he'd get beat up if he was going in, you know, feet first. It's a different that, era. That's you know, maybe, ridiculous. Maybe they step on him. Who knows? I mean, yeah. that's his logic. Who knows? But, for Tatis, yeah, absolutely. But after this injury, like you don't need it anymore. Just go in feet first. It's the easiest way. A pop-up slide to get to the next bag when they inevitably overthrow the ball because they're wondering, why the fuck is this gazelle <laughs> running? Can't he just stay at first and then, you know, get to third? Is it bad that, like, I, I'm i not saying I don't care, but it doesn't crush me as much as I thought it would. Like, is that bad? No. Because he's I, already played 90 games. He's shown that he, I mean, he tore double-A a new asshole once he got his, his sea legs. Like, I'm not too concerned about him missing the second half of the season. What? He misses 40 games. Boo-hoo. Like, I'm, it's not the end of the world for me. I'll be very interested to see how he opens up next year. Yeah. And how he returns from it. But the fact that we lose him the rest of this year, I don't I don't care. I don't think it hurts his development. And it does give the team, I mean, basically. It gives them an out to hold him down. It gives them an out to hold him down. That's the, one of the few players where I'm like, all right, I get it. Yeah. I get it. But. And that's again, it, that could tie into the proverbial window being pushed back further and further. And now that it's been pushed back to uh, 2021, I'm like, well, let's waste some time. Let's go ahead and uh, waste some time for that. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Speaking so. of waste of time, um, we're coming down towards the end of the podcast here. So we're going to get right into it. Uh, according to uh, acclaimed uh, columnist Kevin Acey, Brian Mitchell may be getting another look-see Let's in set the some music for this. Oh, sure. Oh. 
That's why you're queuing that up. I thought you were just. Oh. I thought you were just. Uh, you know. Brian Mitchell's it. coming back, baby. Oh, the Mac is back. Brian Mitchell. You know what this tells me? This tells me full tank, baby. Full fucking tank. I mean, if back. you wanted to find a positive out of it, they're going to tank anyways if they get rid of, uh, which I hope is Ross Stammen and uh, Yates anytime soon. Yeah. That was kind of out of nowhere that they said that Brian Mitchell's coming back and getting a start. I think it's because they know that they're going to trade a couple, of, at least one starter. Also because Perdomo had a good start the other night, but he does that all the time. He'll give you like one great start and take all up, up, up. And then he pulls the fucking, you got to be quicker than that because you can't lock him down to right. fucking give you quality innings. So I can see it. Honestly, put him in put him in Strom's role. Let him go out there and do the opener shtick. But give me Strom. Yeah. Let me give, give me Strom, damn it. I don't want to <laughs> see Mitchell anymore. I've seen enough of Mitchell to know there is some upside there. I really do think there, is, there was some upside when they got him. Maybe, maybe they've made some adjustments to him. Who knows? Who cares? They have a better option. If he was the only option available... If they fucking trade Ross and they ha- need a starter, they don't have anybody else, they're not going to bring up the double-A kids right now, then okay. But you have a better option in Strom, who's actually earned it. If you want to go on this, uh, what the hell did Marver call it? <laughs> Jesus, Jesus Christ, what, dude. I didn't, even, I didn't hit anything. I don't even know what happened. Everything just fell off. You know what it was? Is that God. Is that you sighed so hard <laughs> at the thought of Mitchell getting in the rotation your hot air blew over all the amenities you had sitting up here. Dude, I have uh, no idea what, like, what the hell A couple of cookbooks just... that have uh, never been opened, <laughs> some socks, God. Alexa. <laughs> wow, man. I don't know what the hell just happened. Jesus almighty. Though my whole world is crumbling. You know what? Because Brian Mitchell is back. Yeah, but... you know what? The uh, the bookshelf here on your uh, studio desk decided to commit suicide at the thought of Brian <laughs> Mitchell pitching. I don't get it, man. It's like, to, so to Marver's point, right, how um, it's like, you know the best player plays, and how they yeah. were—they were just. You have saying, to earn it, right? You have to—you have to earn it. And and they that, sent Perdomo down because he wasn't earning it. Well, and like that's why Perella's getting so much playing time. Like, Ugh. hey, he's earned a shot, right? To start yeah, the last season. year we're in but July. Now, why is Mitchell getting a start? AC says, "Oh, that uh, Green Green hopes that he can recapture his form and get back to where he was." Can you he's really? He's always been dog oh, shit. I was just gonna say, how do you recapture something that never? That's like telling me you're gonna recapture the game you had to pull in women. <laughs> I never had any game. There's a reason I'm single. It's because I was never any good at talking to women. I can't recapture something I've never had. Yeah, especially. I, ever, everyone saw your tweet saying that you would go down on Kim Kardashian. And absolutely Everyone's- I would, regardless of who's been down there. <laughs> hey, you only live once. The epitome of no game. I'm just Good glad I tagged Lord. her in it because yeah. I know I know she saw it. Yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless, it's it doesn't make sense to have... I forget the damn big word that intelligent man used, um, but it, uh, Marver about the... It's meritocracy. Not, meritocracy, You're thank welcome. you. I appreciate that, thank you. Uh but it doesn't make sense to sit here and, and push this... What's that big word? I don't remember what it was. <laughs> so it's a big word to me. I couldn't spell it, to be honest with you. Uh, but God. it doesn't make sense to push this idea of, you know, we have this culture in this clubhouse where you have to earn it. Mitchell hasn't earned shit. Right now, Strom's worth about half a win out of the bullpen. Uh, he's thrown 36 innings. He's striking out almost nine per inning. He's walking almost four, like three and a half, but nonetheless. But he, he's thrown 36 innings. He's striking guys out. He's got an ERA of two two one. Even if you just go by, you know, uh, take the defense out of it, strikeouts, walks, home runs, you'd think his fielding independent pitching is three six two. He's been good. He's just not getting enough innings. I feel like at this point, he's fucking young enough. He's only twenty six. Uh, he'll be twenty six for pretty much the remainder of the year. He has as much upside coming into the year as you would hope Brian Mitchell did. The difference is he's actually performed. 
and he thrived in that opener role. Why not give him a fucking legitimate chance? Backpack him with Mitchell. Pretty much say, hey, Brian, when Strong goes out there, you're the guy. He's going to give us four or five innings, and then you're coming in to see what you've got. Don't give him the fucking starting pitcher job. Yeah, it's He ridiculous. hasn't done absolutely shit. Bring up Brett Kennedy, dude. Bring him up. He's he's throwing the shit out of the ball in the PCL in El Paso. Yeah. Like, he's he's 9-0. He hasn't lost a game. Oh, my God. I'm not <laughs> even going to get into that. No, but in, in AAA, he has a 2.53 ERA. So, I mean, like, um, 78 innings, 66 hits, 70 Ks. Like, Bring, uh, give this guy a shot. Don't give Mitchell a shot. Why are you? The only reason Mitchell is still here is because they paid Headley thirteen million to go away. That's the only. <laughs> he still reason. hasn't been picked up. <laughs> that is the only because he sucks. That's the only reason that Brian Mitchell is still here, and we can all agree on that. Like, uh, whether it's fair to Mitchell or not, he has that thirteen million dollar price tag hanging over his head. You and know, I because- think they're legitimately afraid. A team might claim him. Because they might. I mean, they might legit claim Say, hey, yo, we'll just stash him. What do we lose if if another team claims him? A really awful starter. We lose headaches. And a guaranteed tank. We lose headaches. We lose me being pissed off. We lose a lot of things that we are very much okay with losing. Baseball reference says Matt Strom is worth just a... You could say he's a one-win player at this point. He's at .8 per baseball reference. .5 for Fangraphs. Let Kennedy start. Let Strom start. Let Strom start. start. He's got a 181 ERA+. plus. He's 81% better than the average uh, league average pitcher at preventing runs. Let Phil Hughes start. No. I'd, I'd fucking go with that. <laughs> I was wondering where Mitchell around. was. I haven't seen him in a while. Meanwhile, Mitchell, even with bullpen work, because he started seven games, he's thrown 12 total, so 48 innings of work, which is, compared to Strom's innings of work here, uh, about equal. He's actually thrown uh, 12 more innings than Strom. So he's thrown 12 more innings than Strom, right? So let me see here. Strom's given up 11 runs in 12 less innings. Yeah. I'm just saying. It's in 12 less innings. Mitchell has given up 39 runs. 39 runs in that many more innings. He has been fucking awful yeah. in every semblance of the word. You just had a little New York accent. Awful. Awful. Yeah, it's just like, I don't get it. Like, now's the time. Okay, if you want to see what you got, in the words of Andy Green, or see if he can get back to where he see was. See what you've got. See what you got with with the guys down in AAA. See what you got with Kennedy. See what you got with Walker Lockett. I think Walker Lockett is a pile, a hot steaming pile of shit. He's a hot steaming pile of depth. He's a four A starter. He's twenty four years old. If you want to give someone a shot, give Lockett a shot. Give. Give Kennedy or Strom shots. Don't give Brian Mitchell a fucking shot. Mitchell has actually been worse as a reliever. As a reliever, so in and and make and, Mitchell the long man. Make him mop. Up. Make him go away. He's in 83 <laughs> plate appearances as a reliever. He's giving up 347, 427, 597 fucking slash line. Terrible. He's basically pissed. If you go, he's up a to, launching pad. If you go up against Brian Mitchell as a reliever, you're basically Alex Rodriguez for the evening. <laughs> As a starter, it's slightly better. 304, 422, 496. The short end of the story is that uh, he's just not a major league pitcher at this point. He's I think not I even saw, a fucking fringe. I think I saw Brian Mitchell throwing the home run derby to Bryce Harper. <laughs> I swear to God, dude. Like, Harper I may not have had to come down to the wire if that was the case. Actually, he probably would have lost because the fucking launch angle on the ball would have been so goddamn high. <laughs> he'd had to wait six minutes for the damn thing to land yeah. before he could actually get to fucking pitting the next pitch. It's like he came back from this mysterious, like he fell under the uh, the Jared Weaver illness. <laughs> right? We're like, hey, he's hurt, but we PTSD? Don't... Yeah, yeah he's, he's hurt, but... That's PTSD you know, is not a joke. I don't want to get shit on. Yeah, no one knows No one knows what he's hurting from. He no just, one knows when he's going to be back. He's just gone. gone. We don't talk about him. He's, yeah. he's, he's toast. And now he's magically back, just out of the blue. I don't... 
So just to highlight the discrepancy in performance, right? The earning it. In as a reliever in 15 games against 98 plate appearances, batters are hitting 179, 286, 310 against Strom as a reliever. As a starter in five games, only 51 plate appearances because of course they've limited him. 149, 200, 255 on the slash line. Regardless of how you put it, he has been absolutely fucking dominant. Absolutely dominant, regardless of how you put it. Yeah. He deserves a chance. He's a 135 uh, ERA as the opener. Give him two more innings. I think he had 13 innings and five and five chances. So that's that's almost there. Give him two or three more innings a night. Stretch him out. See what you've got. Because I think he could legitimately be better than Lauer or Lucchese right now. Yeah. I honestly think that. Give 100%. him the shot. Do not go with fucking Mitchell. For the love of God, you're going to lose anyways. Yeah, I don't. Ugh. I mean, losing is fine, but oh, not when Mitchell's out I'm there. I'm done. I'm about to have a fucking go into cardiac arrest. <laughs> yeah, dude. I just, it drives me nuts. You know, uh, speaking of cardiac arrest and people getting triggered, we talked about this a little bit before. This doesn't pertain to the Padres, but you see that thing in uh, Chicago? Oh, the uh, ball. ball boy gate? Yeah, the, ball, or, the yeah. ball boy gate, whatever you want to call it, with the, uh, with the guy stealing the ball from the kid. Yeah, so we talked about that a little bit before. Now, you were telling me that your, your dad's senses went off. Right, and that's where you were triggered. And well, pissed. let me let me let me clarify the context of why it went off. It went off because the ball was tossed to the kid, specifically to the kid. It was meant for him, and that fuckface decided to take the ball from the kid and make a big show out of it instead of just giving it to the kid who it was meant for. Which, shockingly enough, they didn't. Re- the whole story wasn't reported. I'm saying stunned. That, saying that he got a ball earlier in the game and gave it to the kid. Fake like, news. Like if you see, if you see. <laughs> The picture that the Cubs uh, tweeted out, they gave the kid a signed Javi Baez He had baseball. two balls. He had two balls. Guess what? That other ball he's holding was given to him by the guy that stole the other ball from him. Now, in the case, I want to preface this by saying, in the case that has gone viral on Twitter where the guy, the ball is clearly tossed to the kid from former Padre great, Will Venable, is, t- is clearly tossed I'm to the kid. you're not getting on the kid for not making the play. He should have made the play first and foremost. <laughs> the, the ball is clearly tossed to the kid. And the kid drops it, and the guy takes it. In that instance, yes, give the ball to the kid. Agreed. Now, I'm going to sound like an asshole. In any other instance, I am sick of the give the ball to the kid bit. I am fucking sick of it, dude. In an epic Hulk Hogan-like hill turn, you parents can stick it, brother. The fucking ball, foul ball is free play. It is. I will truck stick a child, my own included, <laughs> to get a fucking foul ball. Unless it's tossed to them. Ooh. And here's why I have it out for kids. Let me tell this story. Oh, go ahead. This is why I have it out for kids. You guys ruined an epic moment. When Jake Peavy was traded to the White Sox, he inevitably, be- inevitably got injured. Eric, myself, and my cousin AJ all traveled up to L.A. that year. When he came back, his first start His back. first start of the year with the White Sox. When he came back, we had fucking cardboard signs and everything. Check out my Facebook. <laughs> yeah. I had a sign that says San Diego misses PV. Yeah. We trekked total up fanboys. To, total pathetic. fanboys. Absolutely. It was Absolutely. It was like, we were basically girls at a Justin Bieber concert. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We drove all the way up through fucking god awful LA traffic to get to the big A. We get there, Jake's warming up, we're screaming at him. He sees our signs. He fucking salutes us and says, I appreciate it. And as he's warming up the bullpen, he's getting ready to go in the game. We're telling him, fuck shit up, Jake, fuck shit up. He looks us all dead in the eyes, and I can see the passion dripping from his lips. He was ready to go to show us Padre fans that he missed us too, and that he was going to perform for us. And he fucking tossed us his bullpen ball right to Eric. Some fucking snot-nosed brat stuck his grubby little hands out and took it from us. Yeah. And And you know what? I could have reached out and got it, but 
I didn't want to get the shit from taking a ball from a kid. Fuck that! Even though it's clearly aimed towards me. He Fuck was, that! He clearly wanted to get us, get us a ball, but I knew if I reached out and grabbed it, oh, hey, you big fat fuck, oh, that well. ball's for the kid. No, it wasn't. You know it was I mean? for us. Yeah. You don't even know who this guy is. Like, I'm, I'm sick of that shit, dude. And it's like at the games, right? So when there's a foul ball and you have the ball girl down there, she chases down the ball, and what does she do? She turns around, she looks for the first kid that runs up. No! <laughs> no! Like <laughs> That everyone, I don't mind. Everyone says... Every, or when the Hosmer makes the play to, to end the end the inning, he goes up there and he finds a kid and tosses the ball up there. You sure he doesn't roll it to him? Stop that! Stop that! Like, here's why. Okay, it's great. It's great, right? Let the kids let the kids fall in love with the game. That's great. Let the kids have that moment. Some of us as adults have never had that moment. Yeah, we're still searching for that moment. I almost <laughs> caught a foul ball the very first Padre game my cousin AJ and I went to. We sat in Loge, uh, yeah, we sat at the Loge level on the third base side, and a foul ball jump bounced in front of us. It was right fucking there. Now, I'm nine years old. I couldn't feel the lick. Mm-hmm. Right there. I almost got it. And some broad in front of me caught it. Yeah. Like, she got it on the bounce. I've never came that close. Well, second time I came close, my buddy tried to use his hat at Dodger Stadium to catch the foul ball behind the home <laughs> plate seats, knocked his hand out of his hat, or his hat out of his hands, and then some other Dodger fan got it and said, some yeah. guy in a suit. So, I've never caught a foul ball either. Like, I mean, it's different if I'm at Elsinore. You know, let the kids have it. I don't care. But a major league foul ball, like, that's a moment every fan dreams of. Oh, yeah. I pouted one time at Qualcomm Stadium for six innings. I was sitting in foul, uh, prime foul ball territory. And I didn't get one goddamn ball hit to me. And I was furious. A furious 12-year-old. Yeah. Pouted the whole game. If it's in the air, the ball girl's different. I get that. The player stuff is different. Foul ball it's fucking a free market, baby. First come, first serve. Yeah. If you can't, if you can't handle it, I got truck stick trying to go down to shake Tony Gwynn's hand on his <laughs> final day, his final game. I was fucking 13, 14 years old. I was yeah. getting ran over by overweight adults. Yeah. Who looked a lot like you, actually, Eric. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. absolutely. Wait. Yeah, very. <laughs> Just getting ran over. But you know what? It was fucking free reign. I chose to be there. I wanted to run down. I got to deal with the consequence. I want to run with the Bulls. I got to expect to get ran over. Hey, if that kid doesn't want his ball jack, make the play. Make the play <laughs> one time. Put some leather on it. Yeah, did he even have a glove? I don't know. I don't know. But it's just, dude. That stuff I don't mind. But you know, I'm okay with giving the ball to kids. Okay, like I'm, I'm kind of fine with it. If it's tossed in their direction, absolutely. That's great. But the, the fact that like I feel like when people catch a foul ball or a home run, like if you don't immediately look around... Look around for the nearest kid. You're an asshole. Unless you're the that. chick who got the foul ball in her bear. Well, yeah. I mean, Gabby can do whatever she wants, but um. uh, <laughs> unless you're listening, of course. Dude, the thing is, <laughs> the thing is, it's like maybe I'm maybe I'm just like overly sensitive for it because my dad used to take my brother and I to uh, batting practice all the time, and we we would get balls at BP. Like it's pretty easy to get the balls at BP. There was one time uh, where... Not the same, though. Well, we actually got... No, it's not the same. But we actually got there early enough to where we caught the very tail end of the Padres uh, taking batting practice. So we're in there. We're trying to get balls. At this point, there's a guy with his son, and his son has literally seven baseballs lined up in front of him. Why? Because players always toss it to kids. So Sean fucking Estes. You remember Sean Estes? Oh, yes. This motherfucker, dude. He's sitting there. and He's a prime example of why a win-loss record is a terrible way to evaluate a pitcher. But continue. He's sitting there, and Sean Estes gets the ball, turns around, and just randomly throws it up, right? He doesn't say, hey, kid, points at the kid and throws it up. He just turns it and just tosses it. And my dad, being six foot five, (laughs) this is like a 20-foot wingspan, my dad reaches up and catches it. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, hey, Sean, or hey, Eric, Sean, check it out. Yeah, yeah, we got a ball. Sean Estes starts yelling at him. 
starts give it to the fucking kid starts yelling at my dad for for quote unquote stealing the ball away from this the wasn't kid. This was in like 04, right? Yeah, this was yeah. in like 04 whatever this year was it was that he was here. So he starts yelling at my dad for not giving the ball to his, to to the kid. And my dad turns around to us he goes, "Here he has seven balls lined up right there." And like the the kids looking all like whatever, like all sad. And my dad tosses him the ball. So now the kid Why did has, he toss it to you? Well, he because the kid's standing there and he got guilt tripped into giving to him. You know what I mean? Uh. Like I'm so over it, man. Like I, I, I hate to sound like an asshole, but fuck your kids. You're not an asshole, you know. <laughs> fuck I mean, your kids. I, the thing is, is that I'm, I, I love kids. <laughs> yeah, you're very, you're, you're a great uncle. Let me throw this uh, out there. Eric is the best uncle. He's the greatest uncle. Believe I, me. My daughter has the best uncle. Believe me. Great people. But if I get a ball, I'm giving it to Mia. But like, I'm not you. gonna give it to a kid that I don't know. No, exactly. Just because I feel like I'm yeah, like obliged. Your, your dad, who and I never had the honor to meet him. But your dad, from all accounts I've heard, was was a great fucking guy. Yeah, he was. Great. Nobody ever has a bad thing to say about him, except for maybe the umpires who threw him out of your games for <laughs> telling you to. Throw he was an umpire. Yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless, like I never heard a bad thing about him. For a guy to get guilt tripped from, like, hey boys, I got a ball to his sons, and then being guilt tripped by a fucking some shit stain replacement level player <laughs> because some other kid had a fucking already a bucket full of baseballs. Like that's horseshit. Yeah. Like how does John Estes not know? Like I have my sons here. Yeah. Like. Get out Sean of here. Estes of all people, a fucking. I know, ball. I know. Get out of here. Well, yeah. Fucking, how's it feel throwing balls in Elson nowadays? <laughs> so, anyways, we're we're about an hour in. The last thing that we want to talk about, and this is, is uh, Hosmer's defense. Look, he hits ground balls. You can't field them. This is awful. Yeah. So, um, H.J. Preller at this point, you can go ahead and turn it right off. Um, Adult League, <laughs> Adult League, baby. We got a championship coming up. So uh, this Sunday, San Diego Marlins. We are facing the Pirates. I don't know, are they Point Loma Pirates? Or I don't know, they are? but I want to make an announcement about this Sunday because Eric was just going to invite you guys to come out and play Southwestern College. What time is the game? It is um, three thirty. Three thirty. So, yeah. so three thirty start time. It's down. It's <laughs> South Bay. <laughs> oh man, how do they live down there? <laughs> It's oh, in God. South We'd have to be down there more than three hours, right? It's down at Southwestern College. The game's at 3.30. So Oof. if you guys want to come hang out, that's that's great. But I do want to make the announcement. After being on the DL for the last 60 days, I have uh, played a game of uh, beer league softball for my <laughs> employer. Uh-huh. I am officially back to about 75%. We've been taking some batting practice. My launch angle is back. I am announcing my reinstatement from the disabled list this Sunday. And I will be taking my rightful place in right field. I am back. We don't need you in right field. So what? We don't need you. I paid and I'm playing. And I told Danny, <laughs> I feel like this is a dick move. So this is where we want to hear from you guys, from our listeners. I will be in full uniform signing autographs. We want to hear We want to hear from our listeners. Is this a dick move or not? So this fucking guy over here across from me, he's been out for seven weeks. Actually, longer than that. However long Mother's Day has been. Mother's Day was my last he's game. He's been out for like two months, right? And we played seven games without him, including two playoff games without him. And he he's gonna come up. Oh hey, championship! All right, well I guess I'm good now. Well, I also and he's gonna babysit. Show up. My daughter's not gonna be there because uh, of other reasons. So I don't have her this weekend, so it also helps. Now, if this was me, what I would do? I'd show up in, and you can do whatever the fuck you want. I would show up in uniform and I would tell our manager, Hey Chris, you know what? Like I, I realize I haven't been here in forever. If we're up by a lot or if we're down by a lot, I'd love to get an at bat, but you don't have to. I'm here if they, if someone gets tossed or if someone gets hurt and has to get out of the game. But do whatever you want. Yep. That's if 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 it was me, I, that's how I would handle. So it. I 100 like show agree. up over here like you're Roger Dorn. Hey guys, guess who just activated himself? <laughs> I 100 percent agree with how you opened that. Hey Skip, I'm here. I'm in full uniform. I'm ready to play. Where am I hitting in the lineup? <laughs> Jesus Christ! I paid 355 dollars because I had to buy a brand new jersey that fits. 
I might add. As far, as far as I know, God, I didn't do that to go over there and keep book. If I want to keep book in full uniform, I'll take the fucking DeLorean back to Varsity High School. <laughs> I am showing up to play. I hit over 300. I had a over 400 on base. I slugged over 500, God damn it. That is an elite slash line. Yeah, but you've been out for two months. I know, and I know my slugging was only 500 because I hit a couple of doubles with an, a two-man outfield. But it doesn't change <laughs> the fact that it happened, damn it. And I uh, paid the 355 to play. I paid to play, so I plan on playing. So, yeah, go ahead and add us at Twitter. Yeah. Or on Twitter, I should say. At 5.5 Podcast, I believe is how it's mentioned. At 5.5 Dan. At Miserable SD Fan. Look for the fancy new avatars. Yeah, let us know if that's let a dick move. Let me know if it's a dick move or if I have the right to declare my spot on the team because I paid to play, damn it. I think it's a dick move. Danny doesn't. So, well, by this time next week when you guys listen to us on our next episode, we will either be I'm chumps. not using the dick, Eric, so I might as well be one. We will either be chumps or we'll be champions. So, uh, we'll check in with you guys next week. We're out of here. Hey guys, it's Chris Paddock here with the Lake Elsinore Storm. I'm listening to the 5.5.